This is 17 to 1. I'm Van Belding, and I have watched this movie 17 times. I'm Derek, and I've seen this movie one time. Are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one, engage. I have Paramount logo. I assumed we'd slip right into the Starfield. Yeah, Paramount's f***ing huge pile of dog shit at this point. Uh, he said, oh, starting off a chain of irrevocable editing he's going to have to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, they almost didn't make this movie. Uh, okay, wow. Because I mean, 5, you may be surprised at this, but 5 flopped hard <laughs> and made, like, $3 and few cents. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I'm not... Yeah, so yeah, really the guy who part. ran Paramount is like, oh, hey, let's make another one because I really like Star Trek. They deserve a good send-off, which is what the fans thought. Um... And then, like, Paramount was just in, like, this huge turmoil because Paramount has always been a mountain not of of granite with a snow peak, but just poop. And then more poop on top of it. So, <laughs> yeah. You can really just kind of see it as, like, the poop emoji uh, if you just squint your heart, your eyes a little bit. Yeah. and they. Oh, man. And the force, is... Kelly. It's going to be fun doing the, like, uh, <laughs> uh, McCoy's a spy bit. I just... Yeah. It's one of my faves. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So they almost didn't make this because they were in turmoil and that guy got sacked and the guy who replaced him got sacked. And then eventually the last person is like, let's continue making this movie. And they had the same budget as Star Trek V because they're like, we want to make this. We don't want to spend a lot of money. Yeah. But I mean, stay with me here. This looks a lot better than Star Trek V. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you take uh, if you take some of the Star Trek out of it, (laughs) like if you just kind of like. Uh, an action movie in the 90s that happens in space kind of deal. Um, it has like, it gets to this point where it's very like superficial storytelling, which isn't necessarily bad. There are some of my favorite movies, like Big Trouble in China. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff there that <laughs> nothing ever gets explained. It's just super like over the top and it's fine. Yeah. Um, it's just like Star Trek has this sort of, yeah, Michael Dorn. That's nice. Yeah. Star Trek has this sort of kind of, um, persona of of being like technical and sciencey and this is how people got into science and they wanted to be astronauts because they watched star trek or whatever and yeah. so i mean a, a testament rec- to that is the number of high profile 90s actors in this thing with its crappy little budget uh, yeah it's just a cavalcade of recognizable names yeah for sure and you know and it's you you want it to to kind of do some of that but at a certain point it doesn't <laughs> it's just like nope because like at the beginning you're like okay we, we have some interesting space things like oh man we a political pod like, like speaking of the beginning like we we get like this slow orchestral plowing through the star field credit sequence which you could never do today oh yeah no we would we we'd be like five minutes into a, a shoot a shootout right now yeah right oh. i would expect you would walk into the theater and they'd be you know, lobbing Nerf <laughs> yeah. gun bullets at you just to just try to keep you stimulated every second of of your your theater experience, and that's not necessary right. because Agreed. this this scene is built on contrast, on things being incredibly quiet, and then bam, right, just like that, yeah, yeah, and um, and that kind of that contrast is what pulls you in, and like that's the whole thing. Uh, the beginning of a movie needs to be able to do is hook you. And like having like a shootout at like the first two minutes um, is very much like, uh, 
you know, a jump scare in a horror movie. It's it's kind of, you see it, you know, it's becoming tired and cliche. Um, so Sulu's been promoted. All of these people yeah. are freaking commanders or captains. <laughs> they're all long overdue to have their own commands. I mean, isn't that weird, though? <laughs> they're like, you're all captains. You could all be doing the space uh, fleet, but we're going to run this mission with all of you on one ship. The yeah. Enterprise. And Chekhov's going to be something. Commander Chekhov. Commander of yeah. whatever. Uh, this is funny right here. You can see like the little little tag that says like Made in China um, <laughs> on the thing that fell. Yeah. I, um, so one thing is that this, this set actually actually moved. In fact, that's what that's what Sulu's table does is it, is it oh, makes neat. the set. Yeah, so they're not just, you know, moving the camera and have everybody go along with it. They're actually... Um, you know, moving yeah. the set. A this little is bit. kind Not of this, much, but, yeah. this is kind of weird, though. Like we're already in, like okay, so we're in a supernova. Okay, fine, but don't we have shields to prevent this kind of stuff? Yeah, and like, then it propagates through space, like super quick. Yeah, like and the the geography of this episode uh, entices me. Oh, by the way, that's Janice Rand in the upper right corner. Woo, Janice Rand. Mean, yeah, Janice. <laughs> she's back. Remember Rand, baby. So yeah, and she's you know she has a small role in here. They keep giving her small roles in these movies with like shifting ranks, and I'm happy they do. Um, yeah, because they fucking owe her way way more than that, but at least that. So yeah, uh, we get some quality graphics here too. That is like so like retro. Uh, like these are all little TVs, right? Like nothing, yeah. no flat screens. Um, these are all tube TVs. They, they um, nailed, and it's just kind of fun. The, the graphical difference between... It's James Rand, close up. Um, yeah. The difference between classic Star Trek, the next generation, they're in between that right now, and they nail right. that with the visual design. Yeah. Uh, it just looks great. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, it's kind of weird to me that the Klingon's moon's name is Praxis. <laughs> yeah. Um, Explain this to me, because Praxis has entered the common vernacular... As some sort of catchphrase for par- I don't know what it t- explain practice to me, please. Well, so so I mean, essentially, you know, the the old way, you know, the way you kind of look at it when you're kind of um, supposedly with your communist friends in college is that praxis is supposed to be how you you do a thing, not how you talk about a thing. So if you're uh, if you're let's say uh, an art critic uh, that doesn't draw then you have no praxis like you're not and so when people talk about now like it's kind of like um the the common vernacular is like when you see some act that you agree with like heartily you say it's good praxis um okay and so in tumblr we call it direct action and there's almost no qualifications to it so yeah it's good (laughs) yeah 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 i mean it's it's certainly becoming one of those uh words that no longer mean things (laughs) <laughs> it's just like a thing, a thing, a thing that you just say. I just learned that word, and now it doesn't mean anything. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's still, it's, it's still. I don't know. It depends on who you talk to. Like, we, it can be niche in some circles and niche and not niche in others. Uh, they they didn't have the budget to film all of these guys doing other stuff before being recalled. Kind of like the intro to Star Trek Five. Uh, <laughs> the only notable feature there is Doctor McCoy shows up drunk to medical conferences because he has contempt for the entire. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, this is funny how, have... like, you, you have two handoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm um, the leader of this meeting, and I'll be turning over to this person. Everyone sit down. <laughs> a lot of these people have medals. That lady that just walked away had medals over her insignia. These guys all yeah. have medals underneath. 
And then none of our dudes are wearing their medals, so they look like dicks. Yeah. Or they just don't have medals because they're plebs. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, possibly it's because, uh, you know, they're working and none of these yeah. guys are working. They're just hanging out with their medals all day. Yeah, that's true. Uh, is this twist uh, twisty? Didn't, I mean, didn't land. I knew this was going to happen. Like, I mean, when they said, where's Spock? I wonder if Spock is like, obviously he's leaving the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> but Spock's doing diplomatic stuff, just like in Unification Part 1 and 2. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. And, like, him, what's weird is that I I think they've already established that, like, oh, man, we're, like, three months to retirement. You know, like, that they were supposed to close everything down and turn out the lights in three months. Yeah. And oh no and so when he's like, Where's Spock? It kinda makes this notion that they have like some sort of enterprise like club where they all like hang out and chill <laughs> and like have have breakfast and talk about the good old glory days and I mean Oh man, he wasn't at breakfast this morning. What happened? Yeah, and I people rag on the two thousand nine uh movies for having too much branding. But um yeah. for crying out loud, there's a Delta on the desk on the podium here. There's yeah. one behind Spock, and then there's three on the window behind him. Like, yeah, ease and everyone, off the everyone is wearing them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, they all went to the early bird special, and because the right. premise of this movie is that they're too old for this. And, yeah. uh, you know, and now we're having, like, this discussion of policy. Of, like, were they all going to retire at the same time, or are they just going to retire yeah. the ship, and they were all going to retire the i don't know yeah i don't know but like uh, this is weird where they're talking about dismantling the fleet and it's like well no they were just gonna it was just the one it was just gonna be the, and this guy's like just casually just like suggesting like genocide in a meeting yeah <laughs> like hey no just let them all die who cares they like, just just let their economy the implode uh and then yeah. put up a big sign that says no prime directing here by order of starfleet that's <laughs> that's what we do yeah, fellas just, <laughs> a big a big stake out front say no prime directing here by mm -hmm. order of management right so i don't i don't know why by kirk's command staff is here except for the reason that we want to see them because we're this right. movie was made for fans yeah uh, and that may be its its biggest flaw yeah um, and so we um we're kind of getting brought up to speed the way Captain Kirk is getting brought up to speed, right? He's like, wait, what? So I don't know why I'm here. Me now you tell me I gotta... <laughs> it's a quintessentially Shatner, Shatner line delivered by Shatner. It's great. Yeah, for sure. Like, it could almost be trademarked. Um, mm -hmm. He, you know, this is interesting where he's like, what? Like, he's like so... He's somewhat incensed, right? You. Yeah. Vouched. Like, he's just... That's oh, <laughs> funny. Well, we're kind of building up the... the the resistance to the idea of the end of the Cold War. Uh, I mean, the standoff with the Cleon. Right, um, right. But this is, you know, at this time, 1991, I believe, the, the Cold War was ending. Yeah. The Soviet I just want to say how cold-blooded this is, administratively speaking. Like, hey, you got voluntold, all right, peace. <laughs> just like, <laughs> every, like, everyone left. Like, you had 10 people that did not have to be here. <laughs> they got a... They're a... They're, no, no, they have to be here. <laughs> yeah. But this was an oh, important it's... deal, and all of those extras in Starfleet. This is kind of goofy, right? An old Vulcan proverb: only Nixon could go to China. Like this is this is like the beginning of like my what the hell? Like this is I don't. Okay, <laughs> do counterpoint. It's a best line of the movie. So I mean, you may yeah. not know this, but Nixon did have a diplomatic mission to China. It was one that yeah. people didn't think would work. I mean, props to Nixon for what Nixon did. Good. That wasn't unconstitutional. 
Um, yeah. I didn't know about this, and I was educated about it by Star Trek. Yeah. And the fact that the relationship between Vulcans and humans goes back so far that right. the, the cultures have been intertwined into their own yeah. idioms from each other's history is a really cool idea that belongs in Star Trek. I wish I could see yeah. more of it. And, you know, and I think it, it's fine. It's just kind of like the the shot off the port bow of just us referencing current history in like this far future setting. And in some places, it totally doesn't work. Uh, yeah, Nick Nixon was 20 years ago for those guys. Uh, yeah. But, you know, hum- uh, here's Kim Cattrall with the bold, no sideburns look. Yeah. I mean, um, Kim Cattrall was a big deal back in the day, I'm told. Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember hearing her name, but I don't really know what she's kind of known for. I assume for being an actress. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and then McCoy, you know, casual racism from, from McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah so you the, Vulcans, they're all the same. <laughs> you may have guessed that this is uh, Savick. But not Savick. Savick. Remember Savick from Star Trek uh, Two and Star Trek Three? She was the other Vulcan lady. She oh yeah, twenty years. Yeah, she lived like Kirstie Alley and then some other lady. Um, okay. So Cheers was doing really well, so Kirstie Alley was didn't want to do this, uh, and they didn't want to bring okay. the other lady back, which eh, whatever. And Kim Cattrall wanted to be in Star Trek, so they made they okay. And she's like, oh, I don't want to be Savick. She's so young, and it's like. Savick's an adult. This is, but yeah, this is so goofy. But it's like she makes like, oh, the newbie made the old, the old funny suggestion, and he's like, nope, do what I said. Kirk <laughs> is such a rogue. We didn't watch the original series. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, she doesn't know that I love burning rubber in space dock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, dude, you're 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 moving at significant fractions of C inside of a full space dock. Like, come on. Yeah. So, um, anyway. And so, I, I, yeah, I mean, and the weirdest thing about, like, them taking the bridge is just... I want to mention, these... this is, that, that yeah. was Jordy's engineering. That's oh, okay. Sets. They used a lot of TNG sets for this because of budget. And they, they put, like, some stuff on it. Yeah. Like, mostly old people. And then, <laughs> you know, it looks different then. So, yeah. Dirt beef check. Um. <laughs> just some respect. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, what's funny is just like you have all of these like captains and uh, I don't know, Kirk was an admiral once, like all taking like yeah. these very low positions. Like, get <laughs> all the way and send, I need to navigate. Like, aren't you a captain, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to navigate way better than you, plus. <laughs> like, when's the last time you navigated, Captain? Oh, it's it's been decades now. <laughs> Our quartermaster's a full commander. He used to run a starship. <laughs> hey, can I get some boots? I don't know, can you, Lieutenant? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so wild to me um, yeah but you know i mean like you have to kind of i get what it is it's it's a movie it's about the old uh, you know star trek has so you you forgive it but it's it's hard not to make that that joke right because yeah. it's just so it's just funny and like even being a fan of the stuff watching it as a fan as a kid um it was still so satisfying to see sulu command a ship yeah um and like you yeah. want that, like you wanted a plot that could have incorporated these people moving on with their careers and their lives, right? A little bit, uh, right? Disappointing, we couldn't do that. So, so I don't know what this is, like what's happening. I guess he's making like some ginger tea in the most over the top way possible. Look, <laughs> like when, I don't know. 
when you take some fairly blanket orientalism and you mix it with uh some uh, jewish traditions you end up with something we white people like to call exotic (laughs) and you know i I think there's a little bit of that flavor here where it's uh you know kind of a japanese tea ceremony by way of space science fiction and vulcan culture yeah, I mean, so much so that, I mean, not even the tea ceremony required a wardrobe change. Like, he straight up, like, got into his tea-making robes. And why she's not allowed, like, why she's not doing robes is weird, but okay. <laughs> That's fair. After five years of TNG, I'm happy to see someone in casual desire. Yeah. Uh, honestly. But, you know, I, sure. I think it acknowledges that Spock has a, a significant culture to him. Uh, it doesn't have right. to be Vulcan. It could be human. His mom could be from Detroit. This could be an awful pizza. Um, So whatever. I'm just glad that there's some culture to an individual. Yeah, like it would be funny if he gives her and she tastes like, do you sense it? The aroma? It's mozzarella (laughs) cheese. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've concocted a brew that tastes exactly like Chicago-style pizza from 1995. And she's like, this isn't a pizza, sir. This is a stroganoff. This is, this is, comes from a pot. It's deep. It's like a, a thick stew, sir. It's like, ah, oh, it's a Damn it. Back to the drawing board. I need, <laughs> I need more Parmesan. Yeah. Some of that, that, that 300-year-old Parmesan. But we, we just made fun of, in Unification, in the Beige and the Bold, um, yeah. of how he's close friends with Pardek for 80 years, starting apparently right. in this movie, and then Pardek betrays him. And you're like, oh, we feel nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then we do the exact same fucking thing here. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I didn't catch that, G, now, but it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to... I Listen, you know, I know that I look old, and I know that we're long-lived, but I'm, I'm thinking about retiring. <laughs> I mean, I know I have like a good three, four, maybe 5,000 years left, but, you know, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's time for me to walk away from Starfleet, and I want you... To be my 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 person, my person that takes my spot. Um, but the tea ceremony, I think, is one of the reasons you didn't realize that because there is a moment where they do connect uh, yeah. culturally, and because we have a scene that establishes that connection, we don't feel cheated later when we're expected to feel bad about her betraying him. We feel like she's betrayed him. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's yeah, and. It's hard to know, like, what is the minimum amount of connection you need for that betrayal to land. Yeah. Um, and part of this, part of what I guess gets is, like, it's not just a, oh, we've been friends for eight years coming out of left field. Like, everyone everyone on the bridge sort of kind of connects with her, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, she seems to be part of the crew, which I kind of resent. Like, would this movie have been so bad if Chekhov had been Spock's protege, which he was sensib- which he obviously was in the original series, and then yeah. Chekhov betrays the crew for this conspiracy, and then Chekhov goes away yeah. forever, like I'm sure Chekhov stands would have been mad, but like yeah. he'd have been doing something, he could have gotten more lines, yeah. he would have had a character with his own agenda and his own plot and his own outlook. Right. I don't yeah. know how him being Russian would have factored in. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah yeah russia russians and klingons have a very tight kinship i don't know um, this is uh david yeah, warner th- this being... is kind of interesting yeah. uh david warner doing back-to-back appearances he was the human ambassador in the previous movie he's now yeah. gorkin in this movie he was going to have another iconic appearance in star trek later on because david warner is freaking great i mean yeah um, yeah 
he does that kind of like aloof bureaucrat very well okay i want this i want this okay so check off it says guess who's coming to dinner um obviously a lot of racism here which gene roddenberry didn't like racism on behalf of starfleet here which gene roddenberry didn't like which i don't like i get that it establishes the uh barriers to finding (laughs) peace with the cleons but Nichelle Nichols, a lot of that racism comes from the black folks in the cast. They wanted Nichelle Nichols to say, guess who's coming to dinner. Um, right. And Brock Peterson, who played the Admiral in like three scenes ago in the big conference room thing. Um, he says they've become the intergalactic trash of the galaxy, the talking point for Republicans right. and welfare in the 90s. Uh, yep. He says, you know, we'll bring them to your knees. We'll be in a better, better position to negotiate. Um that's something that was said about black folks in another movie Brock Peterson was in. He didn't yeah. feel comfortable with it. I mean, he took the check. Nichelle Nichols actually had the power to dig her heels in and not yeah. do it. So it got shifted to check off. Um, yeah. Weird thing about white people needing to have black people be racist. Like, yeah, we well, it's black, probably yeah. like a, it's like a power play, isn't it? Like, it's kind of like I can make you do something that you don't want to do. This is the uh, ancient Klingon ritual of seeing. <laughs> Just... <laughs> We, looking we at you a little you. bit yeah general chang um, yeah uh, this I, guy is uh he's a hoot he's fun to have at parties <laughs> christopher plumber man the dude is a little yeah. too intense and like i know that's how it's scripted but he delivers right and he's great yeah right yeah that, it, it would it would oh, be like another hey, great shot what do you want <laughs> that sarcastic yeah. Yeah. Mm, right. <laughs> sorry i love this yeah, movie yeah the and, you, you, I'm glad that you're here yeah, to bring some perspective fun. to us. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like it, it's uh, it like they all have to look at them. It's just kind of like okay. And those last um, two I, had a lot I see of, that like, we no longer makeup. have the. Go on. Yeah, I see we no longer have like the whistle ritual in TNG <laughs> when people like come on board. Uh, the mechan- the electronic whistle, I guess. Yeah, yeah, bosun's bosun's whistle. Um. Yeah, it's a diplomatic function. There's a this scene has a lot of layer has well two layers to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, where the first time you read this as she's just saying, "Hey, don't be dicks." Yeah, but this time you know she's she's in on the conspiracy. Right. Yeah. And um. Yeah, because I mean, it seems like she was hiding in like a corner the whole time. Like, where did she come from? Yeah, I know, right? She's waiting in the wings. We're um, all uh, we're all enjoying some menthol, <laughs> some menthol with our dinner. <laughs> The actors, in in spite of being paid like enough to jeopardize the production of this film, also demanded huh. twenty dollars for each bite they took of this whatever is up here. Uh, okay. Bill Shatner pulled in two hundred and forty dollars, which, Just... as a similar moondivore, uh, I respect. You know what? Uh, so wait, I don't understand. Thing. Like how how did they how did they pull that off? Like how did they like say like oh well. In addition to my pay, if I got to eat this, you got to pay me more money. They're like, we're not going to eat this shit. And the director's okay. like, come on, just eat this shit. And they're like, no, we're not going to do it. He's like, all right, I'll give you $20 every time you eat this shit. And they're like, okay, sometimes you need that neurochemical feedback immediately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, uh, yeah. apparently it's some kind of octopus or something. I don't know why they couldn't just die stuff. They moved on from feud, cube, feud cubes, yeah. though. Progress. This is kind of interesting too. It's like, hey, hey, Captain Kirk, I thought you were a snob. You're 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 cool with all this illegal stuff? Yeah, yeah, we're far enough from Starfleet. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, although that looks less like ale and more like wine. Yeah. Uh, I also want to note that they're in the TNG meeting room. Jordy's about to come in here and tell them about a quantum entanglement. 
Right. Sometimes. <laughs> like, oh shoot, is it a long day? They they were they were on the summer break from TNG, so they got all the sets. So Yeah. Well that's good. Um I like uh so this is where like the, the tension kind of starts ramping up, right? Like mm-hmm. we we started off and like, oh yeah, we're all just kinda like breaking the tension, we're all trying to have you know break bread together, that kind of stuff. Um and people are trying to get uh great great cringe shot from Nimoy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, I thought what happened to like your emotions, man? Yeah. So this this scene jumps around a bit. There's yeah. a a big chunk of um see, we immediately jumped to Chekhov going, We believe that all species have alien alien rights. Like Chekhov, what yeah. the, who who what? talked to you, Chekhov? <laughs> yeah. You start talking about inalienable rights. You know what rights. inalien means? Yeah. And, and, and she and, kinda of points out human rights. Yeah, the name's very racist, which is good. Yeah. It's a good point out. As a brewer makes some darn good points about Star Trek itself here. Where she's right. like, you know, a lot of your language is couched in human terms and a lot of human characters. I'm like, makeup's expensive. Shut up, as it bore. <laughs> yeah, and then and then here the spy speaks up, like without yeah. blinking, right? Like, yeah, that this is where we start getting um he's he's trying to do his own little statecraft going on. And then, yeah, this dude <laughs> It's so great. Like Shatner's half drunk Earth Hitler, nineteen thirty-six. It's just <laughs> Oh, this is so great. And as sinister as this, as sinister as Kronos looks, he's actually a nice guy. Like, he wanted good things. And he's like, I can't take you chamokes anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to just have a nice dinner with people that might not like us and, you know, generate some goodwill. And here you are just being jerks. Gorkin's doing his best, man. Yeah. Uh, He's a good guy. And yeah, and this is a good point right here. It's like, hey, listen, like, we fought against each other. If we're going to have peace, it's going to suck for us. Yeah. But we have to be willing. Like, if we believe in peace, we have to be willing to let it suck. Right. Just be uncomfortable. Get through it. Yeah. And this dude, what? Come on. This is going to be one of many. This is like, okay, so I always, um, uh, I always kind of give Star Trek a little bit of flack because of, uh, you know, public domain Shakespeare. And this is this is like the cherry on the cake. <laughs> just ha- just having like a war, like a war general, a Klingon war general, every moment quoting Shakespeare that he possibly can. Also, Michelle Nichols is the only one not wearing pants. Weird. Eh, they, they, any one of these people could wear skirts, Derek. But well, uh, <laughs> so let's see them then. Damn it's it, Christopher like, Plummer, and he's just great at this. He knows what he is. He knows yeah. he's a villain who's not particularly deep. Uh, <laughs> such a great human scene for for our main yeah. cast. Um, yeah, and he's having Spies fun. Don't sleep, it. man. No, he gets coffee, yeah. man. Uh, although I have a yeah, he's got, that... he's got to sober up. He's got to write. He's got to write his you know report on like his first meeting with the enemy. Yeah, you know, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't do that anymore. He left that life behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Uh, I yeah. do. I have a hard time believing McCoy's even phased by Romulan ale. Yeah, that's a hard like. Yeah, like anytime they like are, are about to start mad meeting, McCoy's like a tea. Anyone want, want some tea? <laughs> like, some good old Long Island iced tea. <laughs> yeah. So we, we so, immediately go back into crisis mode. It's great. Right. Yeah, and um. You'd think like Spock would know this, <laughs> like humans need to sleep and his space elf, like, um, but then he's like, Hey, look, no, this is important. I'm actually your science officer. You remember? 
Yeah, well, you're you know, cap- it, you're a captain. We're doing the science officer bit. Come on, you know this. <laughs> when you're the captain, man, it's f- your sleep schedule. Like I've yeah. I've been on so many boats and so many ships where it's like, it's happening, sir. I know you went to sleep four hours ago, but you're you're gonna have to lead us through this because you're yeah. a captain, and it doesn't matter how much sleep you've had. Yeah, it is stupid. But yeah, how brave of them to uh to put a timer on the view screen for uh like the clock. Yeah. Like, people don't do that in movies because it's hard to edit shots together if there's a giant yeah. freaking clock there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't know it's that. It's 1 a.m. Um, interesting. Yeah. This is interesting, though, because you're like, wait. Like, so the first, like, you got pulled into the narrative with this big explosion. You're like, huh, weird. Yeah. And then, you know, you get, like, this political thing. And you're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna be escorting the people. You know, there's going to be some tension. Fine. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this happens. You're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, I know, being a fan of Star Trek, they wouldn't have fired. So what happened? Yeah. And th- that's also the first the first time we get, like, zero gravity in, like, a fight scene. Seems Heck weird. yeah. When, when I was seeing this, I'm like, okay, this is kind of throwing me. Because they never did zero gravity before. But then they kind of explained it later. So that's yeah, it's okay. great. It's part of the story. They're like, oh, we're in space. And we're using yeah. part of our, our space milieu to... To make these people vulnerable, um, it's really yeah. great. Like if if there's only one time in Star Trek where they do the whole zero G bit, I would like it to be here where it's integral to the plot. Uh, yeah, and it leads us to clues. Yeah, and clan warriors. Maybe they're all slow on the draw. Yeah, and I mean, not only does it lead us to clues, it gives us um, a good mystery to have. Like you understand that this was a calculated plot. This wasn't yeah. just uh, hey, you got to pull this together the last minute, you know, bomb the planet on the ship. This was, the, they they fired two shots, they hit them explicit in certain spaces so they could make sure and confirm that one person died. Like, the person they want was dead was dead. Right. It's a multi-step plan. It requires uh, individual actors. It requires multiple steps. Like, that's what you want from any plan in a story. Right. Um, and, and it gives us that. It's... Uh, yeah, it's good. It's the strongest part of the film, probably. And this is, the, I, I do like how sinister this is. How we have people in essentially Starfleet uniforms, but we can't see their faces. Yeah. Uh, so they're like this stark white in this quintessentially red and like metal background, and it comes off as pretty sinister. And that's good. It should oh yeah, be. it's freaking excellent. And they got the faceless visors and yeah. Um. Again, Cleons apparently have no zero G training, uh, yeah. and they just shoot and they back right out. The the CG Pepto Bismol blood is ex- you know excuse. I mean, the blood kind of throws me off because it's a laser, right? It would cauterize instantly. But all right, whatever. <laughs> it's a phaser, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but it's necessary because it's a huge plot point, which yeah. um, I don't want to like spoil anything. But yeah, all Cleon yeah, blood right. after this movie is going to be just regular blood. I they just yeah completely... oh man that kind of sucks. I know it's a major plot point for a feature yeah. friggin' film. Well, also too like if you look at human, you know like like not so much human blood, but like if you look at um, blood in like the theater, it has to be stark. Like the, it's good to have the contrast, right? And so if all your Klingons are like dark skinned, wear dark clothes and that kind of stuff, having that bright kind of magenta sort of blood really kind of lets you do these visceral scenes, right? Where like, 
And you can do it and say, oh no, they're, they're, that's just... Like, the censors won't give you anything if it's alien blood. They don't care about alien blood. They only care about <laughs> human blood. Yeah. Uh, and again, and that check- kind of goes with my theory of Cleons we had in the original series, Cleons here, and then Cleons in The Next Generation different types yeah. of aliens who've all at one point or another taken control of and inculcated themselves into the power structure of the Cleon empire in one way or the other. Yeah. Um, that's my take on it. That's why sometimes they have four forehead ridges. Sometimes they don't, yeah. but uh, I'm an outsider. No one accepts my insane theories. <laughs> I do. I do like this though. This is a quintessentially Kirk's decision, right? He does the thing you don't expect him to do. Yeah. Um, and he's just trying to, uh, you know, buy time is really what he wants. Yeah. To get down to the bottom of this mystery. Although the time that he needs is a lot more than he thinks at this moment. Right. right. <laughs> McCoy's like, oh, are we finally going to do it, Jim? Or are we finally going to wipe him off the face of the map? He's <laughs> like, dang, dang yeah, McCoy, it's a, it's a good reason for McCoy to be on the bridge, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, and you can actually see it in this Look. scene. Like, it's a plot point later. Here they are. They're, they're not mad admitting, but they're having the triumvirate, right? The triumvirate just had a powwow. Yep. And then you can see the beryllium patch on uh, Kirk's uniform. Yeah. Uh, and that was clever. Like, I didn't like, I I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. And look, and like, he, he, he has this, I would say, way of delivery, you know, that kind of communicates authenticity quickly. It's like, yeah. listen, I'm here. I surrendered. I want to help. And right. even though they want to pull the trigger, this warlike culture wants to pull the trigger on these dudes. Oh, yeah. They're letting them through to see what's up. And, and props to that extra for conveying that so efficiently. Right. Um, I, I think it's it's a good it's Kirk's Starfleet training takes over. The guy behind McCoy, or maybe the lady, is in the worst <laughs> Cleon makeup I've ever seen. Unsurprisingly, they're going to make all these Cleons up, shoot these things, and then turn around and shoot the other Cleon scenes. Yeah. I swear to goodness that character's name is Klingon. It looks like a human <laughs> undercover. As look at look at him over over McCoy's yeah. shoulder with the worst <laughs> makeup ever. It just doesn't sell. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, it's like he has like a, a ribbed bald cap, and then like just uh, just like they they cut a mustache in half and just put it on the corners of his mouth. It's it, just the worst. Anyway, so. Yeah. Kirk Starfleet training takes over. He's like, I got to save this mission. I got to do the right thing. I got to help this guy. Yeah. Like, regardless right. of my feelings now, I'm in right. this. Like, we want peace. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't like it, but I'm here. Um, and it's a great scene for McCoy, too, because, you know, we talked about the triumvirate, but a lot of these movies haven't focused on McCoy too, too much. Yeah. So it's good for McCoy to get yeah. his own scene. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if they, yeah. He's, he's definitely kind of being authoritative here. And then it's only like in the middle when they realize. Um, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't even know this anatomy. It's like, well, what did you? What the hell are you doing, McCoy? There are the surgeons dead. They've got nothing. I um. Do you do you not know his anatomy, or do you not know anatomy? They, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's not ask too many questions. A little from uh, column A, a little from column B. So, and McCoy does manage to bring him out of this. Yeah, uh, for he, yeah, for briefly, and like he, he to give a message. If only to the daughter, then if nothing else. And and that's the thing is that like McCoy is just competent enough to have a little success, a marginal success, yeah. um, that helps us deliver one of our one of the ideas of our movie. Gore can get some last words. Uh, yeah, and um, and those uh, those like I was surprised they didn't pull him off when he started like pounding his chest because that yeah. could look you know bad since like you know 
Starfleet's the guy that shot this dude. Uh, I was, uh, was worried about like. that as a kid as well, but I mean, they're Klingons. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And so, uh, the little bubbles there, it's kind of a nice touch. Um, yeah. Shows that there's some um, there's some blood in the lungs. He's probably yeah. drowning. Um, again, just, just little touches that are great. Everyone here seems devastated. And yet Chang does the uh, the great bit. Well, I mean, Chang's the one. You have the audacity to blow us out of the stars. Chang freaking yeah. what happened. Uh, classic yeah. projection, right? I mean, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna do any sort of uh, double cross bit, you have to kind of have gone through acting school. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, listen, I know what's going on, but I really gotta sell that I don't. Yeah. And it's just, I, I think this might be my favorite clear on makeup on Chang. Because it's so understated. Um, yeah, I, I, you almost, kinda, I kind of get the impression that like he had gotten burned, like he, like some of his hair, like the reason why he doesn't have a lot of hair is that he he got maybe like a war wound or burned a little bit. That's reasonable. Yeah, because he has kind of like blotchy skin too, and I kind of thought like maybe that was what's going on, but I don't know. We don't know. I mean, it could be. Yeah. If if the yeah. story isn't going to tell us, Derek, the truth can be whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, follow your heart. Um. This is uh, so. This is interesting. Um, we we get some classic kind of logic from Spock here. It's like, uh, yeah, I know what Starfleet wants. However, the only way we can get through this is uh, solving this mystery. Yeah, but considering the fact that Valeris um, is going to do some things that go against Starfleet policy and principles in the future, uh, like Spock himself is doing the same thing now, but for his own ends. Is that any different? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a fair amount. Like you could say, like, oh, well, their motives uh, matter. But then, it, even a per, if a person's going to be part of some kind of plot, they they believe that their motives are true and just. So then, who who's supposed to win? Exactly. Um, I these are some of my favorite scenes. This is the Cleon ambassador. I believe he was the guy from the last movie who's like, we got to prosecute Jim Kirk. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to see him back. You know, continuing on the same thread of like. It's, it's easy to miss, but <laughs> it feels like he has it okay. in for Jim Kirk. Yeah, and this is uh, this is the Vulcan, I guess, ambassador, right? Romulan. Romulan. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I got to ask, man, is this, is he a human? Like, I'm not trying to be racist here, but like, I just was curious if the president of the United Federation of Planets is a human. Huh? There's Sarek. Look at yeah, him. See, that's our, that's our Vulcan ambassador. Um, yeah. So he's played by Kurtwood Smith. Uh, we're shooting uh-huh. this in ten forward, by the way. Um, okay. You can see the windows. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's not human. In fact, he really looks like a Cleon. Which uh, having a guy that looks like a Cleon as the president of the Federation is like yeah. I don't know electing a guy with the first name of Barack as president in two thousand eight. <laughs> post I mean, he America. looks like he looks like Rufus but, from like Bill and Ted's uh, Excellent Adventure, uh, combined with. Uh, I don't know, a guy from Dune or Christopher Lloyd. I don't know, someone with uh, weird hair and eyes. It's the eyes. He's played by Kurtwood Smith, uh, better known as Red Foreman from that 70s show. Uh, He's going to have a more iconic role later in the franchise, so I want to go over that. Um, But we we lost a scene here. They cut a scene. Like, after the Romulan and Cleon Ambassadors head out, um, a colonel, a Starfleet colonel, played by Rene Obergeron, comes in, and he's like, we have a plan to extract uh, Kirk and McCoy from the Cleon Empire. And the president puts on these glasses because you learn that he is uh, legally blind. 
And he's like, well, oh, okay. what if, to, so he can look at the, the PowerPoint. And yeah. he's like, what if this starts a war? And General West, Colonel West looks at the camera and he's like, and frankly, sir, we'll clean their chronometers. And okay. I really miss that scene because it says yeah. that we are in a position to go to war with the Cleons and win that yeah. war. But we won't. Do I it. mean, yeah, this is the only thing we get here is like kind of the Klingons dictating terms that would have definitely gone a long way to kind of sell the political nature of what's happening. Like we yeah. don't really like it's it's somewhat there, like, but you get it a lot later in the movie where it's like, okay, we're having this conference, but we can't tell you where it is and all this other kind of stuff. Like when that is like, okay, so maybe it was like a big kind of tree, bigger tree than we kind of felt like it was yeah like we we got those words early on but they didn't really land and i feel like that scene probably would have done a little bit better in selling it yeah yeah it's it's a good scene but the thing is uh so great oh, man, this guy's so over the top he's like Rah, let's attack <laughs> but it shows the pressures right because again without that cut the president of the federation also had this same briefing yeah. right colonel west came in and said yeah no we can totally take him I love um, how, like, negotiation 101 in Klingon culture is splaying yourself over the table to get as close <laughs> as possible to the person you want to convince. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen just once. It happens twice. And you're like, true. dang, dude. Like, <laughs> like, I kind of expected him to, like, just start swimming, like, over it <laughs> to get closer to her. You don't understand. <laughs> but they're passionate. I, you know, we visually communicate yeah. that, even if we are stuttering a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and Chang is out here saying ah, da, 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 yeah da. well totally having those cool. jerky movements having those jerky movements kind of helps sell the aggressiveness of like klingon culture because i mean there's supposed to be a yeah. warlike culture right um i'm not a big fan of like oh oh the, all they do is war nothing else kind of things but you know if they're a warlike culture them moving and aggressive like grabbing people shaking people that yeah. sort of those visceral reactions goes a long way to selling like hey yeah no these guys don't just logic their way out of things they beat each other up <laughs> yeah and um and you know like chang being so cool tells you that he's a little smarter than the average bear if the shakespeare yeah. did also that's a pro that's a pro ass gavel yeah <laughs> like, that's, true. That pro. that's true it's like all right if you want to be a judge you gotta use your hand cut off because uh this whole ball's connected to the hand <laughs> yeah it's damn <laughs> That judge comes away from this movie completely unscathed. He's just a straight up badass, and we want to know more about him. Yeah, I'd love to know more. Like, what happened to his hand? Like, what's the significance of that gavel? Why is he so high up? Oh yeah, I have so many questions. <laughs> I like the the incredibly linear, uh, vertically linear nature of this yeah. courtroom here. I like how he only has one arm, so you know, like, oh yeah, he's he was there, uh, he was there like a witness to kind of. Selves. I was like, wait. You watched him get his was, arm shot off. Yeah, yeah. I was so th I was so thrown by this because I'm like, wait a minute, like Colonel Worf, what are you talking about? I don't. I thought like Kirk died like way before TNG. Yeah, and so this is like 75 years before, and this is Worf. He's played by Michael Dorn, so you can infer, okay. but they never explicitly tell us. Um, that this is Worf's grandfather. This is oh, okay, Moog's father who then had Worf, who named Worf okay. Pepper. So it's like a family name then. That yes. makes sense. Yes, um, and it's a good bit. I like I, that. Like, I, I mean, look how cool <laughs> McCoy delivers that. Like, ah, I got some laughs. Yeah, look at me. And he's like, ah, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> a singular way. Um, yeah. 
And I think with yeah, that so laugh, I mean, like, we established this courtroom isn't quite um, the sort of one-sided. Yeah, but also it's not, it's not the reserved sort of professional courtroom we would like to envision yeah. American courts being. Uh, it is a little more of an audience to be swayed. Um, I don't know. Like Judge Judy isn't too professional. <laughs> um, but we we accept that that's um, yeah uh, for show. Uh, I would like to think that most people put a barrier between you know Judge Judy and what we actually yeah, imagine. They courtrooms do, would be like, course. which again, maybe they shouldn't because maybe courtrooms <laughs> are actually a yeah. little more like Judge Judy. Yeah, and so this is a uh, you know this is McCoy selling that he really gives a damn about medicine. <laughs> like, I tried to save him, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm I'm as good as an EMT, but still. <laughs> the, the the through line that we have for McCoy from watching the original series, something which grew organically out of it, but which continues yeah. to be supported by text, right. is that McCoy was a spy way back in the day, and then he was put on the Enterprise to watch this young captain and his Vulcan first officer, and he eventually like. Uh, learn to learn the value of a human life like that guy what that engrossed point blank and <laughs> he repudiates all of that and at the end of the series he leaves and he goes into hiding and kirk calls him back because he knows he's a spy um right. and he's trying to be a good guy even though he was never really a doctor um, right uh, all ta- of like the, the the heavy lifting the medical heavy lifting was done by um his nurse oh, chapel the, oh yeah nurse chapel that's it um and so, you know, like he's a skilled biochemist. He's made a lot of bioweapons yeah. in his day. Um, yeah. But that he's not like a real spy. And you can still see the Beryllium patch on Kirk. They kept it on him through all oh, of the Oh, wow. Shots. That's, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even like look for that. That's good. Yeah, Cleons are awful at internment. But, you know, just like we expect <laughs> to see these characters at, um, you know, in their uniforms at all times, we yeah. don't really question it because we're like, oh, look, it's uh, they're, they're in their uniforms. Of course they're in their uniforms. They're always in their uniforms. Why, yeah. why would they have prison jumpsuits for this? Cleaners don't give a shit. Um, yeah. And it also gives us the impression that these guys haven't shaved or showered or, you know, had yeah. any sort of yeah, exactly. Like wheels. there's no like, hey, we're gonna schedule our trial. I was like, nope, we're going to your trial. <laughs> Wait a minute, you just found us. Yep, <laughs> that's we're, we're we're speeding this along. Might as well have clean gone pushing them around on a dolly. Because, right, uh... exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so this is good. our first sense of betrayal, right? Like someone. Someone had access to the logs that quickly. Yeah. Like these are, this is his personal log and somehow this very fast trial, they got this evidence and even humans are like, well, the United Federation of Planets is like, what the hell? What, where is this coming from? I thought we could trust this guy. Yeah, exactly. And Kirk doesn't shake away from it. He's like, Hey, look, I spoke those words, but he doesn't kind of justify them in any way, which maybe yeah. he could have, done also Worf like should have said hey wait don't answer that <laughs> and like the cool thing about this scene Michael Dorn is just doing some mad dog mad yeah, dog no, is that right? what you're saying is that what you say? mad dog in this guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a he's just imagining like opening his head like a melon <laughs> <laughs> uh, one day I'm going to be on Deep Space Nine I'll be able to murder every clan with me yeah. um <laughs> So, then I'll be respected. I'll be respected by all the Klingon culture. Anyway, I, I do like that uh, some of his um, objections do get sustained. Like this isn't <laughs> this is not yeah. a one sided show trial, despite what people say yeah. about. It. Yeah, and so you can. This is kind of where we get like this this frame job. Kirk was picked specifically because he's a Maverick Renegade, and um, <laughs> you know has you know he's been disciplined before, and this guy like the way he like just like. 
he shakes. He's like, "Answer now!" <laughs> yeah, and the, but he's like having fun, like yelling at Kirk, and Kirk can't like, yeah. But that's a good retort, saying, "Hey, I can't, yeah. I can't confirm things I hadn't seen." This whole scene is, is just so solid. Also, uh, Worf still not doing anything. Like, I feel like he should be like saving his client. We, well, we've we've done some cuts back and forth where he's like, "Your Honor, please." Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, like we're done. He's objected. We get it. There you and go. And see, this is interesting. Look at who figures it out first. McCoy's like they're setting us up. <laughs> like the yeah. spy knows a frame job when he sees one, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's it's uh, an yeah. effective scene that moves us forward. Uh, gives us a few little clues, uh, and gives us a good wharf cameo. Um, yeah, it's great times. Uh. And then we come back to Sulu because we haven't seen Sulu in a while. Yeah, right. And you know, so you they definitely are able to sell this kind of OJ trial kind of aesthetic where everyone's <laughs> watching this in real time. You know, like it's kind of this is the hot news of Starfleet. Everyone's watching it on yeah. Space YouTube. Yeah, and again, there's lots of good little cuts here. Janice Rand, Sarah. Yep. Uh, this guy has. I mean, uh, I forget his name. <laughs> Admiral Cartwright. Yeah, he has no reaction because yeah. he's in on it. And I like yeah, that they yeah, keep exactly. reminding just, us about he, Admiral Cartwright. Right, yeah, because he's going to be important later. Yeah. And again... Yeah, so, I mean, Worf's like, hey, listen, just don't don't, don't throw the book at him. It's like, oh, I'm throwing the book. <laughs> you, see, you see this hand? This hand didn't get me. I didn't get this hand by compassion. <laughs> this bead? I didn't get this bead for one ninety nine at freaking Spencer's Gifts. I mean, I did, but that's... Yeah, it was a good deal. It was a good deal. I mean, I suggest you all go to Spencer's Gifts. I'm not sponsored. <laughs> they are lit exactly like everything else in the Klingon homeworld. <laughs> You'll love it. Well, man, what would the what would the Klingon hot topic look like? That'd be crazy. <laughs> Just like a torture chamber, basically. I, I don't imagine too differently. Yeah. There's literally mannequins on either side of him. No, no, the, those are dudes. <laughs> I think those are dudes. Yeah. I'm sentencing you to the space gulag. <laughs> Again, the, these little cuts are great as he does, does the sentencing. Um, uh, I, I I really do want, like, just, it doesn't have to be every judge, but at least some circuit of judge to have a gavel in which we, he bangs on it, sparks come out. <laughs> I mean, just have a little style, you know? If we cut off one of Kavanaugh's hands, is that going to be a compromise for the left? I, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I like that these guys in their reactions give us exactly what Repente is, and like, Eight lines of dialogue, eight words of dialogue, something like that. Right. Um, right. And like, this is right, Spock's the first mystery. one to, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's the first one to get us going. Like, yeah, no, that's a big hit, but uh, we got we to gotta put on our Sherlock Holmes caps and get this going. Yeah, literally our Sherlock Holmes caps. Um, yeah. The camera moves around. This has all been one shot from or her yeah. on out. Uh, I just love the camera movements around the bridge. They're just uh, great. Yeah. Uh, this is a really small space to shoot in. They had to remake the set because I know we said this happened last time, but they pulled the old sets from Star Trek V out right. to do something in storage and they left them out in the rain. They got ruined again, so they had to rebuild them from scratch again. Um, that wasn't an ancestor of yours. That was um, that was the f***ing dude that wrote Sherlock. What's his name, sir? Arthur Conan Doyle. Some- um, yeah. So, which was a pseudonym, I think. Maybe in the alternate universe of Star Trek, he is Sherlock Holmes, is a real guy that he's descended from, but he's obviously yeah. not because Data was in the holodeck studying his works, like in season three yeah. or whatever. 
yeah. and also he has the pipe. And you know what? Let's not talk about data yeah. and Sherlock Holmes anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, let's not do that. We don't want, we don't want data to come steal the show from uh, from Spock here. What's interesting here, though, is that we have kind of an analog versus digital sort of conflict, don't we? Because yeah. we we remember Spock saying, "Our logs say we fired twice." Yeah, but we have Scotty saying. I know the ship like the back of my hand. All of our weapons are accounted for. We didn't fire. Done. Yeah. It's like, well, that's interesting. We have a digital log saying we did a thing and everyone trusts digital now. And we have a guy who's been doing this entire life saying not nah, couldn't happen. And so yeah. that's our mystery. Yeah. And a guy who's apparently so good at this, he doesn't have to wear a uniform anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, hey, um, it's like, did you know that Scotty's out of uniform? Like, you're going to tell him? Yeah, I know. I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> Look. He's he's got the frilly collar on, okay? It's fine. Yeah, that's uniform. Yeah. That's all you, as long that as you have, the, yeah. As long as you have the collar, uh, this is kind of a weird move. Um, kind of sitting on the rail in shorts when you're wearing what essentially is a coat. It's kind of like uh, I always feel weird when I wear a coat in shorts, but you know my legs don't get cold, so yeah. I don't know. So until Nichols makes it work, though, yeah, we get a little bit of a little bit from each each of our supporting cast. Right. Um, which, you know, is yeah. good because they're never the focus of these movies, God forbid. So I'm glad yeah. they get a little bit of something to do. Um, and Spock kind of spells out our, our premise for us, our stakes and our goals right. in these, in the Enterprise leg of this story. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, this is kind of, he's also kind of framing like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, yeah. where, where every time we cut back here now, it's going to be us un- unpeeling some of the mystery. Yeah, and um, um, yeah, know, which is good. He Spock throws to Savick to pull her in because she isn't contributing a lot to these scenes um, because she's part of the conspiracy. She's trying to hide it. She's not trying to further this study anymore until she's put on the spot. Um, and in fact, she's trying yeah. to. Uh, I'm not sure why she's trying to keep, help keep them out of space dock, other than just to heighten the mystery and keep the Federation out of this. Yeah, I mean, Valeris definitely, like, um, she she even kind of throws off the smell a little bit later on uh, during the mystery. I mean, yeah. she'll, uh, she's the one that finds, like, one of the gravity boots. Yeah, and that, that's a great scene. But uh, I think this scene they, they credit uh, happening, Bridge on the River Kwai, it's your standard welcome to prison scene in any movie. Our prison's not like other prisons, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, ab- abandon all hope, all ye who enter. Yeah, they they couldn't shoot on location because of budget, so yeah, they call it they call it a, a literal gulag. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I think I've heard this speech before. Like, hey, uh, we don't have to we don't have to lock you up because there's no escape. Yeah, and again, in space, if it's a planet, I mean, the only thing more secure is a space station. That's a prison. So, like, yeah. I get you. Boy, it sucks to have that I, guy's I, job. Yeah, <laughs> I, re- I, yeah, I remember seeing like some bit of like someone was telling a story about doing like some a, some duty in Alaska, and he moved like he had to go to like an outhouse from like his it was from like the bathroom to like inside the bunks or something. But he didn't forgot his clothes, yeah. and he said he was literally worried about it, even though he'd only be out for like ten seconds because it was so cold. Yeah. And this definitely sells that notion that it doesn't take you long to freeze out here. Yeah, it's gruesome and uh, quick. It's a very effective yeah. scene. Um, 
That's good. I, I did want to mention that they, the actors were one of the main costs for this, this production. And uh, one of the things they wanted to do, is this is the first time the Kirk and Spock in Starfleet Academy story got floated out as a serious movie topic. And um, they're like, uh, okay. kind of, sort of, but we don't want to. And I mean, they, I, I could have totally, I, I totally would have bought like political intrigue, um, you know, like young cadets in the Starfleet transition movie. That would have been good. Yeah, well, you know, it would have been like young Kirk, young Spock. Uh, oh, I see which, what you mean. Which they ended up making in 2009. Um, yeah. You know, after a fashion. I, you know, props to them for putting up all the alien makeup for this scene. Yeah. Um, with enough hats and stuff to kind of, you know, make it so that not everyone had to be an alien. But this is one of the most diverse scenes in Star Trek. Yeah, and it's a prison. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's also disappointing is that, like, this scene happens twice, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, this is, this kind of shows either how little time they had to write or the inexperience of the writers, because, you know, we definitely get a lot of, like, uh, things audience members have already been trained to see. Like, if this was the first time this scene was ever being shot, you might need to explain a little bit more because, you know, beating the big guy in prison is how you survive or whatever. Yeah. But um, we don't need to be trained this scene. Like, hey, it's like, oh, we got a translator and this dude's like hassling for his jacket. Yeah. And his boots, I think. I don't know. Also, I like this for also being, you know, a sequence of scenes that doesn't have the universal translator in there. So, yeah. Um, I think I like I how think she's like, "Hey, you want to hit? You want to hit this?" <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a blunt. Like, I don't think that's a cigar. <laughs> yeah, that that is not a cigar reaction. Uh, this is a mod, by the way. Um, a very big model in the '90s. Very pretty lady. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a very pretty lady. Yeah, giving us a good, uh, good amount of that prettiness from under the makeup. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not necessary yes. for me, but yeah. Yes, Kirk, you've been set up. The spy already told you that at trial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Why do they need computer banks in yeah. the galley? This is kind of funny, though. You know, we have this big, like, I think she said 300-man search. Yeah. Um, but if this were TNG, we would just ask the computer, hey, computer, find the boots. <laughs> <laughs> and the computer would be like, oh, they're in Ensign Blah Blah Blah's quarters. All right, thanks, computer. Yeah. <laughs> well, bring in Ensign Blah Blah, transport to the brig. Mystery solved. Asking a basic question that... He's yeah, he's a yeah, he's like a commander. Shouldn't he know this? Ostensibly commander of security. What the one with the guns? Oh, dang! Because like, what <laughs> else is he doing? Um, right. so like, I would have preferred that this be uh, reversed, even if it makes Valeris look a little stupider. But it's a very good question. The scene has to happen because it sets us up yeah. for what happens later. Um, yeah, the scene. Has, I mean, it could even just be like a just. I mean, you have three hundred randos also searching. It's like. Why couldn't one of the randos ask those questions? And Chekhov could have been the one to explain it. And then, yeah. um, you know, instant science officer, you know, shoots his way of demonstration or something. <laughs> I do like this, though. I like when everyone, like, comes up and, like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa we got we got a firefight? Like, no, no, chill out. It's good. Fine. It's good. I like, it's this nice little touch that works well. And it also gets yeah, here, the rest of our <laughs> Everyone knows where everyone scene. is. I know that we're investigating in the kitchen, so I'm going to check the kitchen. Like, McCoy, let security deal with it. You're an engineer. Yeah. I mean, oh. you're a big dude, but still. 
I don't know. It's Scotty. If someone tried to shoot him with uh, a phaser, yeah. he'd just shrug it off and punch them in half. I mean, yeah, I would, uh, I would, I, two people I would want in a bar fight, Scotty and Worf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, throughout the entirety of the original series, Kirk's like, hmm, to do violence, it would be to question the very basics of our ethics. And Spock is like, I'm a pacifist. And Scotty's like, I already shot the torpedoes. I'm sorry. Like, Scotty was <laughs> oh, yeah, not the no, guy to mess dead. with in the, <laughs> in the original series. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, in the process of shooting, he's like, oh, what? Oh, we were his, still talking about it? I'm sorry. His, his only accession that. to old age really is the fact that he didn't punch straight up through the deck plates to get in here. So, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so here we go. Um, this is the creating more trouble with a strong man at prison. I mean, it um, might as well be the same really, one. Yeah. Um, but this this is really just to show us how much the guards don't care about his welfare, right? Mm. Even the friend that he just made was just like watching him do that and then McCoy's like cheering him on which is cute you know so he's just McCoy. in prison um like yeah. you know Kirk's been in prison like a million times uh yeah, but this is like McCoy this... too yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I could think of each other run for their money I bet I mean in the original series they got they got yeah. yelled about the same amount. I uh yeah. but this is like another big alien that starts a fight with Kirk for like no reason and it's like it might as well be a well, continuation from the previous scene yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. at the very least, like, give him, like, a... Uh, this is just so over the top. Oh, God. Um, it's it's comedic. And, it's comedic is what it is. Yeah, like, yeah. Why? I mean, yeah, it is. Um, um, this is kind of... You have to have, like, certain beats in, like, an action movie. Like, the 90s yeah. definitely, like, did this where... This is a Riker scene. You couldn't just... You couldn't have a pure action. You wanted to balance this action and comedy thing. Yeah. And the thing is, is that... Um, I actually used that. I wanted to use that species in uh, the fate game of Star Trek that we ran because eventually our, you know, our friend Richard was going to become the the captain of the ship, and there was going to these guys were going to be the Balnesians, which I think is stolen directly from Men in Black too. And okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the deal is, they were going to rub their knees on a ship every time they got on board and call Grit and a girl. And oh, nice. I'd be like, oh no no no, we. One of our guys rubbed their balls in your your bulkheads before, so we don't respect you at all as a captain. And that would be like their, everything they do, every interaction with these guys, would be like, "Are you guys going to come aboard our ship and rub your knees on our bulkheads?" Like, no. And every time they were going to do that, and it was going to be great. Yeah, um, that's that, as, that is pretty great. I mean, like, it, it's a classic space joke, right? He's an alien. Ah, uh, you hope it doesn't mind me kick them knee. Like, what he makes you think that's his knee you kicked? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, we're, we're it's kind of like the closing of our like comedic bit in the action movie okay um right yep and you know this is this is kind of neat too you you have two like you have two characters who have essentially been in prison before and this is very much a like i was reading a book about um world war ii and how like like it was, it was by a Holocaust survivor, and he was talking about like how they would sleep together, and how it was very crowded, and they would always kind of just sleep on pallets, and this definitely is evocative of that. And you know, this is kind of what we get from, you know, Kirk. He's really selling this whole, not so much uh, I've learned from my ways bit, but he's being introspective. He's saying, hey. Uh, I used to hate the Klingons because what they did to my boy. Um, but, you know, now that he's kind of s- seen kind of a, I guess, a this human is limiting a Klingon tragedy. 
um, he's uh, you know he's showing some remorse for it, for sure. But then he's you know he kind of flips that on his head, right? He's like, hey, this, you know, like if I felt that way, I'm an old like Klingon battle veteran, but that means that someone felt worse than me, and that's who's running this gig. And so we have. You could say our own, like another mystery. So there's like a mystery within a mystery. Um, we have the first mystery of like who killed Gorkin. Well, I guess it's the same mystery coming from two different angles. Um, I really don't know what this deal is with like the hands falling asleep thing. Because I don't think that was her. I think like it was another hand grabbing a rock. Oh, that might have been McCoy's hand. Okay, McCoy's hand probably grabbed the rock, which makes sense because he's a spy, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this, this, like, I feel like McCoy, McCoy's about to say, hey, look, this is moving a little too fast for me, and he's 100% <laughs> right. Like, yeah. as the spy, knowing statecraft when he sees it, he's like, hey, man, a really pretty girl is, like, giving you a method <laughs> of escape on day one of prison, chill out man like like i feel like we need to like pump our brakes and like figure out a plan yeah well on the other hand kirk is like okay counterpoint every third episode of the original series and he's, <laughs> he's not like, wrong like tradition okay. traditionally the honeypot is how kirk gets out of these things yeah and he's like yeah I'm and a like little older but i still this, got what? it mccoy's like do you though <laughs> <laughs> yeah look at him He's like, what is it with you? <laughs> He's yeah. like, there's a there is a procedure for escaping a prison, sir, and you never follow it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so we got Christian Slater here. Uh, this was supposed to be Janice Rand, but Christian Slater wanted to be in Star Trek, uh, and he was uh, a huge deal at this point in time. So um, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know why they were outlining this person like in darkness, and it's like a reveal. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I mean. He's a uh, Christian Slater becomes just the guy that tells Zulu something. Yeah. And then Zulu gets to yell at Christian Slater. It's great. <laughs> yeah. He's like, did I stutter? <laughs> well, yeah, it's here good. he goes. Do you have a hearing problem? <laughs> it's so good to see Zulu have command. And George Sakai pitched like a Zulu series for a long time after this. It's I would like, have watched oh, that series a hundred percent. Yeah. Like he, it was good. I think it would have been good. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, and here we get down to finally investigating the transporter and our huge transporter-based plot, but uh, whatever. At yeah, least Chekhov finds so, it. Chekhov, you know, he calls back to being Spock's protege back in the original series, doing science stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, he, he's got his own little, I guess, portable lab that he like on the spot makes a a slide for. It's important. I don't know exactly how that happens if. It didn't look like he put it up there, but maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how he got that perfect slide out of a bit of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember your 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 biology in college, but it's not easy to make slides. It's kind of an art. <laughs> like he leans down onto the. It's not rebar. I forget what it's called, but yeah. uh, like the no skid, and he's like, ah, a little bit of Klingon blood. Let me get up my fancy traveling microscope. Oh, wait, I, <laughs> yeah. I have a, a slide of evidence in here, huh? Yeah. All right. But yeah. Turn it... <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, like, Chekhov has always been a microscope enthusiast. <laughs> so in, uh, in TNG, they had, uh, they just reclimate their clothes. They put their clothes uh, back into the replicator. Uh, yeah, I, guess they I don't thought do that there here. was something like that. Like, I mean, they had, I, I thought I remember something to that effect to where they had some technology that invalidated this notion of 
having multiples of things to wear. I guess not. I guess that hasn't happened yet. So, oh man, I love this bit. Crewman Dax, which is weird because Dax is going to be the name of a main cast member, of a main, you know, character in Deep Space Nine. So it's just so weird they reuse the Dax name. But, I um, mean, it's kind of a spacey-sounding name. I kind of get that. Um, yeah, just yeah, a reminder. You know, Kirk said, hey, go to to whatever elevator shaft if you want to escape. And Kirk is... He, he is not... He is not scrupulous about any method, any plot he gets involved in. Yeah. See, this is the biggest plot hole I find in this show, which is that Kirk is somehow put off by diddling a potentially male shapeshifter. Yeah. I'm like, look at that. Look at that reaction shot. Shatner nails it, but he shouldn't. Yeah. He shouldn't I mean, have yeah. to. I, that's like, that's yeah. kind of a, a quintessential Shatner impression. Everyone's willing to roast this dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and like, he... and the funny thing is, is like, um, Spock is like the one that like does that whole like comical, like look at his feet, Jekyll. Yeah. And uh, it's a Chuck good line. Like, ah, I did it. I did. I did the human pun thing. And oh man, no, I didn't look. Oh well. <laughs> and again, Chekhov does the call back to Cinderella. I mean, props yeah. to the conspirators for not framing someone who would get in trouble. They framed yeah. someone who wouldn't be actually framed for the crime. A, a, co- a conscientious conspirator. Yeah, because the, like they're still Starfleet. They're still ostensibly good people. They just believe that peace with the Cleons is bad. Uh, and also, they want to murder a bunch of people to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. To make so, that I mean, this happen. is kind of uh, I, I feel like a space gulag doesn't make sense, <laughs> especially when you're not doing manual labor. You're just all right. Take this very high density laser that you could easily kill everyone else with the, the, uh, and mine stuff. Those are predator lasers. They're digging for Arnold Schwarzeneggers. <laughs> <laughs> it, tur- it, tur- it turns out before uh, before TNG, Arnold Schwarzenegger's were uh, a high value currency. We found a vein, sir. Uh, yeah, so it's good. Um, and then they go to the end of the thing, three feet away from a bunch of Cleons, and escape to add tension. And and like they already kind of yeah, they already kind of told us like hey like. We don't care about you, so we're not going to really watch you. It doesn't matter. So, um, I yeah. mean, the mining uh, props to that kid being people. sultry at like like knowing how to be sultry at a very young age, um, or at least being kind of maybe not sultry is the right word, but being like cheeky. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's good. Uh, we're we're moving our plot forward here, maybe regardless of some of the obstacles you might usually have a great use of sets to save us on shape-shifting cgi budget uh, yeah i'm just oh, doing yeah, it for cut. sure yeah i mean why wouldn't you and speaking of throwbacks to the original series those that last set of caves look like a throwback to the original series but um yeah maybe so yeah and uh and yeah you can see how mccoy's like like gets more and more uncomfortable with this whole thing um, as yeah. it kind of goes on and <laughs> I, you want it, you want to believe at least like, I feel like you're supposed to believe, um, that Shatner is kind of in on this. Like he, he knows that it's a trap, but he's doing it anyway. Cause it'll get him closer to his goal regardless. Right. Um, right. that's how Kirk's playing. Yeah. 
but at the same time, I mean, he's putting he's putting both himself and in a lot of danger. Like this is this is a very narrow hole to thread a needle through. Yeah, but it is his only line of play. Yeah, um, which you know, I, kind of smacks a little bit of reading the plot, of reading the the script. But you know, a lot of action movies are kind of like that. We're gonna do this one improbable yeah. thing, and then it's gonna pay off. Um, right. Which you know, fair knock. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's kind of interesting to see these kind of old school aerial shots like, in, <laughs> in contrast with like the current kind of like drone photography that we have now. Yeah. I, uh, I do want to mention that McCoy is a true Southerner. Uh, this is the second time he's been trapped on a frozen waste of a planet and just been like, <laughs> leave me behind. I'm going to die. It's too cold. <laughs> yeah. like, I hate this. It's so cold. Last time I think it was with Spock, but, uh, you know, as someone yeah. who I feel the same way when I have to wait for the bus at 5 a.m. I'm just yeah. like, oh, yeah, just go on without me. I won't make it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make it. So, it's um, um, good. But, yeah, it's kind of funny. And um, this is where it's kind of weird that he says, like, ah, Spock put a Berlin patch on my back. It's like, well, why don't you leave it there? Like, wouldn't you want it? What if they did see it? <laughs> like, wouldn't you want to put it, like, on the inside or something? Like, just do some kind of hiding it. Yeah, like. Why do it surreptitiously? We got to fool the audience. That's not a good reason to do yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, exactly. Spock is like, oh, yeah, it's a small piece of beryllium over there in the Klan Empire. We detect that now. It's fine. We could only detect the beryllium once it left the transporter field, which yeah. Marta led us outside of, even though this was all a setup. Yeah. Which we didn't have to go all the way outside of. I mean, in <laughs> theory, yeah. He's like, it's so cold. It's like, we're, we've only been walking for 10 minutes. It's super cold, though. <laughs> I'm from Georgia. But I mean, um, if you're if you're on a prison, whether or not your plot is to kill your people or to save them, it seems like you got to do it away from the cameras, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Maybe maybe that's what they're doing. But um, you know, so we do go through all this stuff. We're told that there's actually a ray of hope. That uh, explained yeah. what Spock's doing on the on the thing. I mean, we're told that and the orchestral music. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this scene, uh, yeah, is awful. <laughs> it's bad. Like ev- every fan, despite admittedly or her having no background in this, every fan watches this scene and goes, "But obviously, Uhura can speak Cleon." Right. Like, there's there's <laughs> no canonical basis for that, but we all just know it. We all well, know I mean, that. The, the, okay, so here's the gig. The whole premise of this movie is you've been fighting the Klingons. You've been in this cold war with the Klingons this whole time. Yeah. And Uhura, a linguist, are you telling me that she wouldn't learn the language of the most popular enemy we have? Like, come on. She's not even a linguist. Like, she should be. That's what we expect of she, her. I thought she was a linguist. I, I don't know what the canonical basis for that is. Uh, but okay, like interesting the fact that everyone expects her to be a linguist without even asking says something yeah. they've communicated that to us in some way yeah somehow yeah. that's been communicated to us so when she suddenly yeah. isn't so that we can get like a funny scene uh right. about cleon like <sighs> yeah what the heck yeah. um I mean, this is kind of interesting, too, that, I mean, it's 
It's a decent scene as yeah. far as like Th- everyone Scotty, she to... can read words. <laughs> Dick. Scotty's helping. He can help. <laughs> uh um, they're all they're all they all have their big books. Um and so they're all trying to trying to figure out this scene yeah. is a little clumsy, like, but it has laugh, some good moments. Laugh. Like Yeah, like laugh. why does the yeah. extra lady have to laugh? Why do they why does she yeah. have to tell them to fake it? She's like, I'm done with this. Whatever. They, they got past the border. And that's yeah. that's why the Federation can't ever get past the Klingon border before. Because they didn't. Yeah. Because they, they never bothered to learn the language. <sighs> and then and now they refuse to on principle. But I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I, I do kind of get that there's a border station where the guards are like super, you know, don't give a crap. Just like the Soviet Union where like, like they're not like too patriotic. They're just trying to get through their shift or whatever. But like, yeah. ah, it's such a rough scene. Oh, is that what the portmanteau of chameleon and oid is? <laughs> a <shapeshifter>? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, this is at least the third shapeshifter you run into. This is going to be the third time you've seen someone turn into Captain Kirk. This ain't nothing new, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I want to, I want to feel. I feel like Shatner pitched this scene. He's like, listen, um, this would be like my last fight scene. Um, the only one that can fight me is me. <laughs> yeah um and the thing is he starts a fight and then he's just like yeah we're just gonna chill out mccoy hover over them for a minute <laughs> yeah. yeah but he explains how and he, I, i'm yeah. a i'm a little yeah i'm a little incensed that he's like oh i knew it the whole time i'm like uh mccoy had to explain to you you've been set twice so and this campfire a signal flare telling them where to find us <laughs> Are you going to turn it off now? No, we're not. I'm going to continue to monologue about how smart I am. Uh, I was like, why? Yeah. It's McCoy being useless, admittedly. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's got a glass jaw. I don't know. I guess he's just like, I'm too old to fight. Let let Kirk handle this one. Yeah. So the, the the joke about the lifelong ambition is a call out to at, at this point the public is becoming aware of um, Shatner's ego. Yeah. So yeah. it is just like a yeah. call out for Shatner always wanting to kiss himself. So. Yeah, I had to I had to have uh, fig- I figured that like it had to have yeah. been a call out to that um, because and he wakes up long enough to get rolled over. <laughs> I never really understood like the fight choreography rolling bit. Um, it just, uh, I don't, I haven't been in a ton of fights, but I haven't really seen that being kind of a thing that happens in fights. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. You kind of tussle, but never like in a linear direction for a long period of time. I mean, no, no. The the linear direction for a long period of time is definitely a contrivance of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, more rough split screen. Um, I do like how he's like, yeah, uh, we're going to do this whole thing. And he's like, well, uh, he's like, turns out I don't mind killing both of you. Yeah, that, that's the joke is that Kirk is like, ha, I tricked you. And he's like, no, 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 I was just getting rid of the witnesses. You were transparent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good inversion. It's a good inversion of the truth. <laughs> yeah, um, I think so. Again, it plays it just long enough that it's fun. And then it, we invert another trope where he's about to monologue. Yeah, he rolls right into another trope, right? He's like, all right, I guess I can monologue for you guys before you die. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and uh, again, it's... This is this is kind of how you subvert expectations in a movie. See what you do is yeah. And so this is yeah. This is where we get like okay. This is 
we're in high camp. Oh, it's too cold. We can't go back there. Like, never yeah. mind the fact that you could transport any one of them and, like, mind meld with them to get the exact plot. No, we can't do that either. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. We have to, like, there's so many things we could have done in that scene, but, like, oh, it's too cold. We can't go down that line of logic. Yeah. Um, I was wondering why I felt like this was like the briefing room, and now I know. It is. I totally felt like, yeah, I totally <laughs> felt like it was. Uh, and do they do the whole hiding things in event bit, which makes you feel like they should have known that. <laughs> like, like if I was going to hide something on the Enterprise, I would check all the vents, all the Jeffrey's tubes, like right. first shot. Like yeah. I, that's kind of what I would do. There you go. And then everything kind of comes together at a really convenient time. Like, there's no reason for Scotty to discover those uniforms at that exact moment. But it yeah. does so that the plot can all run together. Yeah. Um, but we, And I like, he, he, you, we also have this kind of deal. It's like, ah, yes, the real enemy. And it's like, uh, and one of his subordinates like, hey, don't worry about it. He's like, you think I'll underestimate my enemy? Are you sure? And he's like, ah, fine. These guys are like the protagonists kind of Mr. Klingon, please set course. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Klingon. Uh, uh, but maybe it's just like a little, you know, maybe it's just a little fun. I don't know. Yeah. See, and these are these are the Enterprise D corridors. These are the corridors from TNG with a little bit of extra stuff on them. Some pipes overhead and big stickers. Yep. Um, I like that though because it gives us a little bit of like architectural narrative, right? There's there's a certain subconscious feel to some of these scenes because of that because that this is yeah it's a good point like i hadn't really thought about that but yeah so and like i mean because i mean isn't this movie supposed to be like a transition like we're transitioning from the old way to the new way uh i don't think it was designed that way but de facto uh, it is the next movie is going to be more about that transition obviously good um, old birkin samo Broken <laughs> Samuel, I'll miss those two racist douchebags. <laughs> yeah, we just hate those hate Birkin Samo. Um, so yeah, they were all three of them were part of the plot. Yeah. Um, and now we're intrigued. Like we rec- we might recognize these guys from earlier. Uh, yeah. And now Kirk and Spock are going to what? Do a plan. Yeah, they're going to like let's set up a plan. See. That's the big window where Jordy sits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so this, I don't understand this. They launched this whole like, hey, listen, Yoan Burke and Samo repeat court reporter to sickbay. I don't understand. Well, because they're announcing on the ship they need a reporter to take their depositions. Like Burke and Samo survived. Oh, uh, okay then. Gotcha. And so, okay. I, like I wasn't quite sure. I just knew that it was kind of like, hey, we're going to let them know. We're going to let them think that that, that we somehow survive, like, um, not survive them, um, revive them. And it's the TNG's round sick bay. Yeah. The bed's at. Anyway. It's it's weird how, like, uh, the lights don't automatically come on. But uh, sick bay is is dark every now and again. So I guess that's fine. I mean, Spock and Kirk are behind this. They're dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. They're just, they're a bunch of queens, both of them. <laughs> and Spock's like, you got to shoot uh, me. You're yeah. logical, you got to yeah. shoot me. Yeah. And Kirk's like, hey, like, look. Spock, you didn't tell me you were going right? to provoke her. You didn't tell me. <laughs> you're going to double dog dare the Vulcan yeah, to shoot you. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you, you mentioned before ba- the plan, Spock. You can't put Bay in trouble. <laughs> but Jim, I am Bay. <laughs> yeah. 
He's like, don't hurt Bay, please. I really would rather you don't shoot. Uh, having Spock, but he's mad that like he got one over, huh? Yeah, and he's 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 not angry. He's disappointed, and he always well, yeah, slaps faces so. when he's disappointed. <laughs> this is my disappointed face. But no, he he's he's pretty angry, and that's one of the things. It's it's a good way of using Spock's unemotionality to kind of give us some yeah uh, narrative growth subtext. I, Hey, what's up? So we've got everybody. We've got our friends. We put out a Facebook invite for everyone to come to the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, we're doing a good old-fashioned soapbox trial. Everyone report to the bridge. So We're going to execute her if she doesn't tell us what we want to know. The deal is you monologue a bit, and we try to get information from you, and then we maybe do a little bit of, uh, I want to say, mind rape. Yeah. I mean, this is... It's weird. <sighs> like... Even if it wasn't, even if like she's like, I give you consent to go look for it or whatever. Yeah. Like the super double Vulcan mind meld. Like there's no part of this that really is part of like what Star Trek would do, right? Like this isn't like, oh, well, we just, we're going to rip our answers out of your mind. I mean, that's, this is kind of like a sanitized torture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like justified uh, interrogation via rape. And that's right. like, it is a mental violation. It is played that way. It is unsettling. It is uh, gross. And it's played yeah. heavily. And it is really jarring. And it, right. it meets some narrative needs. Like, we want to see a mind meld. Because we want to see Spock do Vulcan mind magic. Because this is the last movie. Yeah. And they need the information. So they need a clever way to get the information. Yeah. And they're not going to go after her with the rubber hose, um, yeah. like a car battery or nothing. Um, so this is the right. answer. And it's just gross and bad. Yeah. He doesn't even like, he doesn't even like, like run it by. Like, I guess he is ostensibly like the ethics officer. He doesn't even like say, <laughs> Hey, is, is this justified? Like I'm questioning myself. He's like, Nope. Time to use a Vulcan mind meld. And so he does it. And, when she's kind of going through this, you can, yeah, yeah. She's resisting. She tries to pull away and he forces himself on her. Uh, yeah. And then not only, but like during that, she's like making kind of these mewling sounds. Like it's not a comfortable experience. And that's when he doubles down. I was like, come yeah. on, man. Damn. She's resisting. And I thought, I thought Kirk gave Spock a nod for that. But uh, also, I guess Picard has this memory now. Um, <laughs> yeah not all not all uh ceremony uh award ceremonies and wine was it okay so what i thought was a rare and graceful process was uh a trick to get out of ghost cowboys um <laughs> erasing kirk's memory of a girl and then this is, uh, mental assault okay this is right. what he meant by cowboy diplomacy <laughs> uh yikes historical realism yeah. so i just yeah it's not good and man the scene is really long i thought we could just sort of talk through it just kind of call that out as being bad and the fact that it appears to yeah. know that it's bad and then kind yeah, of so we get admiral caught right and a few others yeah and yeah. then when we need to know like where this ashes is going to take place like he's like doubling down right now and yeah. she's feeling it like She's emoting as much. Even, yeah. like, Scotty's horrified. Yeah, right. They, they have a reaction shot to show that we're not supposed to be, like, settled by this. They're not cool with this. Yeah. And we're like, 
Yeah, see, you shot from Nichelle Nichols, and you're like, come on. Yeah. Uh, it's... But, I mean, we're not going to talk about it either. Yeah. Like, he, um, uh, yeah. He's like, I've, I've, I, her mind is barren. She can't, she can't do math anymore. Even, even Nimoy has, like, some emotional upset from this before Scotty sets him up for that boss-ass death line. And you're like, okay, back into the real movie. Not, not the I've weird been movie. dead before. Yeah, it's like, oh, damn, that's a f***ing bomb-ass line. Because <laughs> he's been dead before. He died in the second movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it's no big, Scotty. And Scotty's like, you're telling me how to put my codger in Dr. McCoy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, we could have just called Sulu. Hey, Sulu. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. yes. I, Sulu, knew all of this. I, one, one of my crewmen is Christian Slater. He's got, like, one degree of bacon separation. He knows everything. Yeah. The, uh, he puts it back in the torture metaphor. He's like, all right, I've beat her up, and she's only given us the names. He's like, move on to the dental pick. And he's like, all right, cool. And he's like, starts, he's about to rip out a tooth. Says, Hold on, wait. We should ask Sulu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, so this is all coming together. And Sulu is like, right. okay, we're in Beta Quadrant. Like, last week we were within shockwave distance of the moon around the Klingon homeworld. But it's yeah. been like, you know, maybe three or four days since then. So we're going to warp yeah. over to Kittimer, and then we'll meet you there. And Klingon Warbird. I don't know. We'll make it. It'll be fun. And I mean, this kind of also drives home, like, the notion that, like, in the military, how, oh, yeah, this is Vampire Spock. I prefer a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's well. I guess dining on ashes. They say he's, he's brooding. <laughs> uh, dining on ashes. I uh, I've never heard that line. Yeah, uh, me neither. Uh, not outside of this movie. And yeah, but it seems apropos. This is sort of the heart of our movie here, where we sit down and learn our yeah. very important lesson. Yeah, and so this is where you know Bay's really kind of um, you know beat himself up and. Um, Kirk's like, hey, don't worry about it. You took one for the team. Everything's fine. Yeah. And he, each one of them had expectations about the future. Again, the Spock's link with Savick directly plays into the themes of this movie. So we believe it a little more. It goes a little deeper than that. Um, yeah. Getting back to his whole Pardek thing. Um, right. And right. so, you know, what their expectations for the future were, you know, aren't being met. And yet here we are. They think they've screwed up everything. Right. Yeah, they're both kind of like limiting their own kind of big conflicts that they've had to face. Um, and then uh, they were talking about both of them were extremists. Um, and then now they have. This is kind of where I thought it was maybe like a, a transitory narrative where he's talking about like, hey, aren't we too old to be like being useful, maybe? <laughs> yeah. And that's a joke from Spock. And Spock is like, you know, I. Kirk is like, I mean, all we can do is the best that we can do. Um, We're going to get older. That's going to happen. And and I know I say it all the time, but I love that this series lets his actors get older. I'm not not human. And then, like, Captain Kirk responds like, everybody's human. Like, come on. You're telling a reconstituted alien (laughs) that he's, uh, he's, everyone's human. It's fine. on, On a narrative level, all of these characters are human. They all have flaws. Um, they all have things to learn and perspectives. They all represent yeah. humans who are us. Um, but in text, to, tell, to say everyone's a human, like kind of falls back to Azat Dor's sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so this is uh, President President Human giving a bomb ass speech with his like super cool shades. Um, yeah, and, the, and again, the reason he has the shades, it gets yeah, it got yeah, cut out blind. of here, is because of the blindness. But you don't really yeah. know that if you don't have that one cut scene, right? Um, for sure. So I just, I really like the Kinmer Conference. I really like the Federation president. Um, yeah, this whole scene. Um, this action scene, this final capstone climax of our film, I guess. Yeah. That's pretty good. And, you know, what's really weird, too, is just that, you know, we have this kind of bridge scene. And this is, this all uses, like, submarine shorthand to sell it. And yeah. it just, I don't, I don't feel like it works at all. Like, all of the ship and submarine metaphors that we've been using for space travel doesn't make sense because like it's based on sound and other things moving through a vacuum and it's like what no oh i want to get the greatest quote of this movie is let us redefine progress to mean that just because we can do a thing it does not mean that we must do that thing yeah Uh, that's good that's a big idea and again in the scene where it's like yeah we could totally roll over the clan empire but we're not going to silent running that has more there we go yeah, she says she, he's they're rigged for silent running, which is reasonable because they're a close You're, ship. There's no way to be loud running in space. They, they <laughs> there's can, nothing. For... They can emit like navigational buoys and have sensors going off. And <laughs> communication. They can be yeah, emitting. It's like, all right, emit. listen, I need you to I need you to go from here to the Klingon war, uh, Klingon world, and warp two, and about every two or three parsecs. Just throw out some fireworks. <laughs> yeah, guys, that thing's going to keep blinking blue. Like, that's literally what the cor- warp core does. That slow pan <laughs> yeah. makes it seem like they're all waiting for it to change. Or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's the parlance of submarine battle, right? Everyone's like, they, they've disengaged their eyes and they're only using their ears. Uh, I guess. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. My, my beef with this fight scene is that their goal is not to get in orbit of Kittimer and beam people down. Um, their goal is to just hang out here and find the cloaked bird of prey. Uh, yeah, which seems so stupid. Like, like who cares? Like, just go save everyone at the conference, and they're like, oh, by the way, they have a cloaked bird of prey that can, like, fire torpedoes. Yeah. Okay, good to know. So, so the way conflicts work is you're trying to accomplish something, and then there's an obstacle, and then you have to engage in conflict to remove that obstacle. Um, right. And to complete that goal. And here, I, I kind of feel like... They're so close to the planet um, that, like, they could just make a move on it to beam people down as part of, like, their tactical outlay. But instead, they kind of stop and do, um, and do, do not a dogfight, but a submarine warfare bit. Yeah. Where they're destroyers on the surface and the submarine's underwater and it keeps repositioning itself even though they don't tell us yeah. that. Uh, so they don't know where it's firing from so they can't hit it. Right. And, like, you know, this is just kind of... Uh, a fight for a fight's sake. Um, yeah. You could have even, like, if you wanted it to be narrative, you could have, like, so- done this whole, like, oh, these two last war generals or whatever have to have to give them a warrior's ending or we have to fight. Or- I'm sorry. That, that shot we just got away from is literally the guy in, like, a car park or something. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... But, yeah, like, it, it would have been as silly as what we get, but at least it would have, like, some narrative, like, hook. And the thing is, our wow. heroes have decided to fight. But the yeah. way they've decided to fight is to just cruise around and get their asses kicked. 
They're not even like, right. fire a pattern into this grid section to narrow them down where they could be. Yeah. Or, you know, torpedoes or lay mines or nothing uh, like that. They're Shakespeare. Just... just get, not like, it's like two barbs, right? Like he only, did, was he looking at the screen just now as he was quoting Shakespeare? <laughs> Christopher Plummer <laughs> is allowed to look this, at this camera, okay? This um, just looks, this is just so over the top that... They're doing submarine in space while the bad guy is quoting Shakespeare. It just really... And then we have a car metaphor on top of all of it. Right. Like, hey, won't we just do, like... Can we just shove things up the tailpipe? And, and no, they, it doesn't have to have a tailpipe. They're doing an analogy so that, that the viewer <laughs> understands it. Um, and I'll get into the gaseous anomalies later, but Spock yeah. asks McCoy to do some surgery. And we're like... Yeah. And what, like, what part of reconfiguring a torpedo is surgery, guys? And it's like no part of it. The part where you're reconfiguring a weapon. Yeah, Spock uh, always knew that uh, McCoy knew how to deal, deal bombs. He's like, oh, but we're in mixed company. Hey, let's go perform, quote, surgery. Yeah, I, you know, uh, my, my track of that story would be um, that Spock knew ever since he held McCoy's contract, and now he's kind of acknowledging it. And he's going to use yeah. his own engineering science skills and McCoy's, like, spy right. skills to, like, reconfigure a torpedo to find a cloaked thing. Some 1701A battle damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to mention that McCoy, uh, Sulu just said, hey, we came back from studying gaseous anomalies. That was our last mission. And and then her was like, yeah, no, we have all that stuff to study gaseous emissions. I'm like, did you guys flip some pages in the plot around? Or did you both study gaseous emissions? Were, were you guys just yeah. chilling at Earth? And then you had six right. months left to retire? Were you guys about to go study gaseous anomalies? Or did you, you know what, never mind. Fine, you can find ions. I believe you can yeah. find ions in space. Congratulations. Right. Um. So anyway, and so whatever. I mean, this is just action scene. Look at this. <laughs> He's doing great. Like again, people universally <laughs> describe Christopher Plummer's acting in this movie as chewing on scenery, if not eating it entirely. And I think yeah, that's no, fair. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's one hundred percent fair. He is making a forgettable um, Star Trek villain memorable. Yeah. And also, um. Why haven't we gotten, like, the shields up at all? Like, couldn't we have taken at least one or two of those hits by the shields? Like, it feels like we didn't. They had shields up, and they're like, you know, shields are reducing the damage. They're soaking it. They're soaking the damage, Derek, to oh, use a okay. 90s term. They're just, uh, they're just rolling ones is what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're fucking doing. Um, <laughs> I like that they're riding the torpedo as it goes on the hatch. Yeah. It yeah, gives us attention. Funny. Everything's moving now. Now we have a plan. Right, uh, I'm right. going forward. And McCoy's like, it's got a heartbeat. I'm like, yes, we get it. You're a doctor. People don't expect this. <laughs> it's like, hey, there might. She's ready, Jim. Lock and load. Yeah. Action <laughs> Yeah. He puts his foot on the table. Yeah. Um, it's dramatic, though. Like, we get the little torpedo just kind of fucking through space. Yeah, it's like, where are they firing? Oh, they did a hook shot. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a homing torpedo. Like, uh, oh, no, not clean, Matt. Clean gone. Uh, Anyway, he was our best spy inside the Cleon thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we get our Target. two ships working together to shoot the thing. Um, yeah. To blow the crap out of this dude. Yeah, then, they just like... They just like, hey, I think they want to surrender. Nope, too late. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a good thing this guy's a freaking perfectionist, isn't it? Yeah, I know, right? He's like, I could take this shot, but I really want to get a better one. He gets, he, gets, he gets a beat on He's like, oh, yeah. He gets a breath. Yeah, no yeah, security around the planet. Like, no one, like, making sure that uh, 
No one gets... People could just run up with guns. No no one beams down. No one charges the room. Yeah. And then Kirk has to go up there and tackle the president. <laughs> Mr. President. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't see anything, right? Because he was blind. And they start pointing phasers at dudes. And so here's... This is, this is another bit of camp that's hilarious. So we Each. beat the bad guy. We have all of the bad <laughs> folks. We're about to get all the bad folks in custody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Admiral Carr's like, arrest these dudes. And Spock's like, Uno, reverse card. <laughs> yeah, you fall into my trap card, Admiral. <laughs> and they send Scotty after this dude. Yeah, by, by himself. <laughs> by himself. Like, look, He's like, Scotty, uh, how do you feel about some wet work? Yeah, I've done know, it before. I can do it again. You know Scotty's a badass, but like he doesn't scream <laughs> fitness to the audience, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's true. But I mean... He, he just had to walk briskly to a certain spot, I guess. And so yeah. after that, everything is fine. We could just like, everyone go back to your offense. No, we have the we have the big Kirk speech, of course. Yeah, well, yeah you got to have a Kirk speech. You got to explain everything to everybody. It's about the future, yeah. Derek. People yeah. are afraid of the future the f- sometimes. Your father called the future the undiscovered country. Right. And, and in, in the text of, uh, I believe it's either Hamlin or Macbeth. Um, the undiscovered country is death. Uh, so whenever Gorkin says, ah, the undiscovered country, I was like, uh, to death? He's like, no, no, the future. The future is the undiscovered country uh, in this interpretation. I'm doing a thing with canon. Uh, and that guy, he's been after Kirk and he has to stew. He's like, oh, Kirk saved the Cleon Chancellor. Oh, yeah. so angry. And everybody claps. And it's like, okay, uh-huh. I, I just, <laughs> I, ga- I gave a big sigh yeah. at this. Um, the one guy straight on clapping, the other one's clapping normally. I like, love that guy. That guy is like, <laughs> I'm playing an alien. I'm going to be in Star Trek, and I'm going to make I'm, it alien. I don't care what anyone does. I'm clapping straight arms, baby. He's committed. The one guy standing on a table, like there's only one guy standing on a table. Okay. Yeah. And then they stand up in the front. Oh, and, no, there's a couple. Yeah. To pose. I'm like, who's, what are you posing for? <laughs> yeah, who's, there's no cameras. Oh, no, we're, we're about to sign something in the law that means there will always be logs. That means there will always be a photo opportunity. Okay, but the McCoy line here. We, once again, we've saved the galaxy as we know it. And the yeah. best part is they're not going to press charges. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit schlocky, but come on. I mean, yeah. I, you know, and it makes sense that this spot, everyone kind of carries them. Everyone has like a one-liner, right? Yeah. As they walk back onto the bridge doing their, like, enlisted jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how this this ship needs the entire crew for an interrogation on the bridge. Needs six people for regular operations. Right. Saying goodbye to Sulu and Rand. Yeah, going so, on their own way. So, yeah, the weird thing is is that this is the last time that uh, DeForest Kelly, uh, Walter Koenig, are in a Star Trek thing. Yeah. No, no, oh, no. Okay. Walter Koenig's going to be back. So uh, okay. this is DeForest Kelly's last appearance and Nichelle Nichols' last appearance. The rest of them okay. are going to be back later in different ways. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah. So it's a franchise, man. I, I keep saying this this thing could have been a Marvel Cinematic Universe. but um, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, Marvel, the MCU was like, was not innovative, but it was new. Like it wasn't a, I mean, it was innovative. It, the way they handled all those movies it hadn't really been done before. Yeah. Um, and then this is the <laughs> peak, peak, peak sassy spot right here. Yeah. Go to hell. Like, I wanted to just say it once, you know, just let it roll around on the tongue. Yeah. But I'm not human. Go to hell. Yeah. 
Yeah. And instead of just saying, all right, setting course for us being retired, he says. So how about a little light treason, you know, stealing government property? (laughs) (laughs) It's metaphorical. It's saying, hey, look, there's still adventures out there and we're still going to find them. And it may not be on the Enterprise, but we're going to go and we're going to do that. So you know what I've built up an appetite for? Exploration. Uh, aren't we supposed to decommission this in like three months? Exploration, and we're never coming back. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you got Sulu on the, the Excelsior over there. You got an empty spot for Sulu on the chair there. Um, yeah. And I guess that lady died. I don't know. Whatever. And, yeah, uh, that, chair, that chair looks pretty beat up for sure. Yeah, I know, right? Um. But, you know, like you have a lot of interesting characters that people want to see. And you could use them to springboard onto other things. TNG's happening. TNG's about to have a spinoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot you could do with this universe because it's a big universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to do that, though. So, um, as they sail off into the sun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <final> thoughts. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> I, I mean, I figured they're just going to like, all right, listen, we're going to. We're going to decommission this very fast-moving, very cool ship that we've been around. Let's go do a few tricks or something before we're done. It does have a hole in it. But, uh, yeah. Um, it does have has a few holes. So, yeah. Um, final thoughts on uh, not just Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, but Star Trek, the original series. This is it. This is it for yeah. 17 to 1. So, I had a lot of fun. I had more fun with the original series than I thought I would. At the very beginning when you know we kind of had talked about you know doing some sort of kind of video analysis podcast. I I didn't think you were going to pitch Star Trek, but I should have known. <laughs> and um I was like okay, and I kind of thought we would have started with the original series and then when you're like all the way back to t- the uh not this TNG and when you said, we're going to go all the way back to the original series, I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, that feels like a long way. Um, but this was fun. Um, this there, there was a lot of good bits here. I like how a few of the things that we enjoy, you know, like, like McCoy's a spy, just kind of happened naturally. You know, the triumvirate of McCoy, Kirk, and Bay. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, there were a lot of fun things on this journey, for sure. Yeah. I I I've recently found I recently found some folders named Unnamed Derek Project um, uh-huh. that were kind of how this started. So yeah. uh, it's interesting how you know some things take off and they work and some things uh, don't. Yeah, but, uh, and you know I I have to say that I'm glad. Like I kind of built up the whole like, hey, look, I was a little unsure how we started, but I'm glad we started where we did. This was fun. Yeah, you know it's. Uh, there's one thing you learned from Star Trek is that beginnings can be kind of rough. Um, right. But, you know, you, you can get better. You find your voice. You find your feet. Um, yeah. You know, I'm currently remastering some season one episodes, and that is so bad. So bad. <laughs> like, you you and I talked about, uh, you know, working on making the, the Beige and the Bold episodes better or yeah. reshooting some 17 to 1 episodes, kind of doing a, a live remake. Uh, and I really wish yeah. we'd done the live remake. Uh, we're, we're, the base and the bold episodes are getting better, <laughs> but uh, yeah, whew, boy, remastering those just from the original tracks is rough. Uh, we started from a rough place, when, and we've come really far. When would you? When would you say like we found our footing? Like what? Like I mean, I feel like we found our footing in the original series. I want to say it took us maybe a season, a season and a half. 
Um, but would you say that we found our, our footing like sooner or later? I, I think, you know, from an editing perspective and making my life easier and making these not sound like garbage, <laughs> that would be the original series. Um, and I say we haven't quite jumped the shark yet. So, you know, yeah. I honestly, our, the best way to tell would just be to ask our listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Um, we are going to see a lot of these characters in the future, which is weird, but we will. All right. Um, even uh, Colonel Wes, which when that, the, the sniper falls through the window and they're like, oh, wow. Industrial light magic. Sorry, I didn't yeah. know that they were part of this. Yeah, uh, they were part of this. They've been using these guys for a while. Industrial light magic. In fact, they didn't okay. use them for the last movie to save money. And then okay. when they had a budget pinch on this one, they're like, should we not use industrial light magic? And they're like, no, we are definitely using industrial light magic. Yeah. We're not we're gonna do that yeah. again. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, the the cart the the assassin with Cartwright yeah you were right saying? so so the assassin gets pushed out the window by Scotty and they go up to him yeah. they're like oh this isn't Cleon blood um, and they rip off his face and it's Colonel West oh wow but because they cut the scene with Colonel West who's a Starfleet guy like that whole bit with the ripping off the guy's face Mission Impossible style and not having Cleon blood yeah like, that guy gets lost yeah and the thing is, is that there's a scene, there's a part where Valeris goes how they conspired with us to kill their own chancellor how trustworthy could they be oh wow and in the final scene we see that it was literally a starfleet guy who's going to pull the trigger on the federation president um, oh damn yeah so you're like oh look at that their bigotry and hatred is actually uh hypocritical um, yeah they're they're simply searching for justifications for their hate whenever they themselves are willing to engage in the same actions that they seem to loathe so much again i i think you know, your, your criticism is valid. And as it often does, it gives an important perspective on this for, you know, the, the people who watch this with nostalgia like me. Yeah. I think it's a good movie. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It was a good movie, you know, and this is a good series. I definitely, um, if I had to go back in time, I'd definitely do it again. I guess there is nothing next week. Beyond here lies yeah. nothing. The Undiscovered Country. Yeah. The Undiscovered Country. I'll make this short because no one likes credits. Star Trek is property of CBS Television Studios and Paramount Pictures. We are watching Star Trek on Netflix. We are talking over Discord. And we are recording and editing on Audacity. Beige and the Bold is hosted on Anchor and can be found on most podcasting platforms. I would also like to thank our senior officer Patreons for supporting the Beige and the Bold. They also make video editions of this podcast and remasters of old episodes possible. So thank you to Tracker by Moonlight and Miss Jess. If you have any questions or concerns about the show, please contact me at benvelding at gmail.com or on Twitter at benvelding. Thank you and remember Ren.